So I had to see myself on the ground, shattered into a million pieces as someone that felt like a complete failure and not supported. And then the desperation kicked in. I was so unhappy that I made the decision at that point in my life that I was going to pick those pieces up and I was going to reinvent myself into the person I wanted to be and do things under my own terms. This is episode number 19 of Hustle with Harmeet and you'll be listening to my conversation with Mehfooz Chaudhary, a brand manager, storyteller and an author. Welcome everyone to Hustle with Harmeet. My name is Harmeet Singh and I'm your host for this show. Every week I interview interesting personalities from across the globe. The insights and hacks shared by our guests will help you achieve a winner's mindset as well as inspire you to live a life full of passion and purpose. My special guest on the show today is Mehfooz Chaudhary. Mehfooz is a national award-winning brand manager at Candybox Marketing, ranked as one of Canada's fastest-growing companies for the last three years in a row. Over the last 12 years, he has delivered hundreds of keynote presentations across North America, published his latest book called Project Reinvention, The Social Timeline of a Millennial and released two seasons of his newest podcast show, Ride With Me. In today's episode, Mehfooz shared his insights on coming from a family of immigrants, what kind of challenges he faced while growing up in Toronto. From a broken relationship and $30,000 in debt, how he managed to pull himself out of that phase to become a star marketer. How the idea behind the book, The Project Reinvention, took shape how millennials define personal development. As a marketer and content creator, how he identifies and picks ideas which has the potential to go viral. Before we begin, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and you may also connect with us on our Instagram page at the rate hustle with Hermit for all the latest updates on our upcoming episodes. So let's jump into our episode number 19. Hi everyone, welcome to yet another episode of Hustle with Hermit. and today we have with us Mehfooz Chaudhary who is joining us all the way from Toronto. Welcome to the show Mehfooz. Hermit, thank you so much for having me. I have to say this might be the first interview I've done with this much distance between me and the host on the other side. So I'm excited. Thank you for thinking of me. It's an honor to be on your show today. Thank you Mehfooz. It's great to have you here. So Mehfooz could have been that kid who could have ended up making the best large double-double in the world. (laughs) But then he realized that he was just a kid with a visor and a dream. And today I'm glad that he chose the world of marketing and content creation so as to make our lives more impactful. Mehfus, I want you to take us back to your childhood. Your parents were immigrants. Your dad had a great job back home in Saudi Arabia. They gave up everything so that you can have a comfortable and a better quality of life. Did you ever feel any kind of pressure to perform better than your colleagues? Or if I could put it another way, what kind of expectation your parents had from you during your school and college days? 
Yeah, uh, from my parents' side, pressure is the word because when they gave up so much from their comfortable life in Saudi Arabia and moved us here to Canada, their expectations are that because we made a sacrifice for you, we expect you to live up and make that sacrifice worth it. So I've constantly had this pressure, not only pressure of performing better than others that, that were at the same school as me, but also to perform in the way that they wanted me to perform. You know, they came with a thought process before the digital era. You know, none of this made sense. The internet, computers, none of that made sense to them. All they knew was that when we brought you down here, we know what's, what works. We know what pays well. So you have to go down the path and try to be an engineer. You have to try to be a doctor. You have to try to be one of those core fundamentals and beliefs that our culture really has around what's going to end up getting paid. And I've for a very long time subscribed to that because I really felt guilty when whenever my mind would drift off and I would think about doing something else, you know, I would be in school and I would say, oh, that looks kind of fun. But then I'd be like, no, 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 I have to stay the course. I have to stay focused and do what my parents have brought me here to do. But the part that I was ignoring about me was the part of me that was becoming very, very unhappy. Uh, The realization that I didn't actually like what I was doing in school every day. I didn't like the... The, the person I was becoming, and I didn't like the career path that I was choosing, but I kept silencing that part of me because I just didn't know any better at that point. And it didn't just end at school. The expectations exceeded beyond career. It also ex- uh, exceeded into my personal life of marriage and the idea of marriage and who I get married to, what age I get married, and all those other things that comes with relationships. So there, there was this big battle of trying to find my happiness, but also not disappoint my parents along the way. And I think people from our culture experience that quite a lot, where they, they, they want to have that difficult conversation with their parents and their family, but they don't know how to. And as much as I go on, on stage, Harmeet, and I speak about marketing and personal development, I have to tell you the number one question that I get in private is when people come up to me and they're, they're from the South Asian uh, culture, They come and ask me how they get past that, that pressure of the parents expecting them to do things a a specific way. And it's not an easy task, but I'm I'm thrilled to announce that I've been able to get through that and still have a great relationship with my parents, which I didn't think was going to be the case once upon a time. You're absolutely right in that. Families who migrate from subcontinent, like Asian region and Asian culture, they also come across the same kind of challenges. Their kids, they have to adjust in the school they have to balance it out in the family also they have to learn not just english but also their mother tongue right when i've seen your videos when i've seen you speak on the stage you seem to be a person with a lot of depth so back when you were growing up were you a kind of a shy and introvert person absolutely and you know what i still am a very very shy and heavy introvert i just do a better job in putting that off and i have to thank six cups of coffee a day to give me the energy that I need to seem like I'm not an introvert, I have to tell you. But, but you're absolutely right. It's it's not an easy path to walk through because there is that part of you that you have to have empathy for your parents, right? When they grew up in an age, they didn't have as much information at their fingertips as we do today. So when you think about like when they needed advice, like let's say it was like a legal advice, they would yeah. call up that one family friend that happened to yeah. be a lawyer, right? Like they, when they needed health advice, I know this because my... Um, my my mom's sister is a doctor. So whenever someone got sick in the family, they didn't call anyone else but her to say like, what should I give him? And they used to trust those one or two people that they found credible. But today we have the access through a couple good searches in getting information like we've never got from multiple sources. 
And what that does is it puts us in an interesting position where we don't have to trust the source. We can compare two or three good information and we can make the decision based on what makes sense for us. So I think we're, we're in a research environment, a research era that we've never been in. And I have to thank a lot of my depth for the fact that I was just a very, very curious person. I'm super curious. Like I'm the kind of guy that will, for no reason, download the top 10 apps on the app store today. And I don't care what the app is, but I'm not downloading it to play the game. I'm downloading it because I'm curious of why they became top 10. I'm dissecting it. I'm reverse engineering it and thinking about like, how are they bringing people back? Why are they so popular? What did they do that's different? I ask myself those questions. So I'm just very curious. And Sometimes when I do things in the industry, you know, I, I released a book, I did a podcast show, I speak on stage, and I built an agency from the ground floor up. A lot of people kind of see that as a visionary, as a forward thinker. I'm actually a lot more historic and practical than I am a visionary. What that basically means is that I put stuff out there every day, and I watch how people respond to it. And if people respond to it in, a, in an interesting way, my curiosity goes down that tunnel if people don't respond to it in the right way, I change course and do something different. So I'm just always thinking about why things are happening the way they are. And I make decisions based on that. So a lot of my learnings is thanks to the fact that I put myself out there to gain experience, because it's hard to look back at history when you don't have experience, right? You don't really know what, to, what information to look back on. So what I really did well when I was younger is that I allowed myself to try a lot of different things because it let me taste enough to really know what I enjoyed doing. Like I wouldn't have known that marketing was the love of my life if I never tried marketing for the first time, right? So you have to taste it to really know that it's out there and something that your body and your mind attracts to. So Mefuz is not just an intense marketer, but also a curious soul. I'm glad that, you know, that curiosity drives you because that's the first step towards greatness. Uh, moving ahead, there is a very interesting quote with which you live by that is the first love is the sweetest, but that first cut is the deepest. Your relationship had suffered. You were also in $30,000 debt. Do you want to talk about that tough phase of your life, Mefuz? And what kept you sane, motivated to pull yourself up from that well? There's a saying out there that you're, you're either going to make a change because of inspiration or desperation. And I, I like to think that inspiration is going to be the reason why people change. But more often than not, is because we're desperate. We, we just are so unhappy with where we are that you are almost forced to make a change to get out of that place of unhappiness. You know, if you were touching something that was like a hot stove and your hand was burning, the smart thing to do is move your hand. And that's sometimes what I felt like I was in. I was, I was just under, you know, I was just in a hot kettle boiling up and I needed to make a change. I tried it. You know, I tried it my parents' way. I tried going to university and I tried taking the courses that I wasn't happy about. And naturally, because I didn't enjoy it, I ended up getting poor, poor grades. And I was actually kicked out of school for one year because my, my academic probation didn't serve me well. And then there was the other side where I got into a relationship and the relationship just didn't pan out. And I... I got to tell you, I've never felt more lonely in my life when I had those two failures because I felt like no one was there for me. You know, you almost hope that the family and the friends really come through for you, but you hear more people say, I told you so, rather than I hope you're okay. And, and it hurts. You know, it hurts because it's more about right. saying you should have done it my way rather than the fact that 
it's okay that you failed. And I, I really want to let my inspiration influence other people to go down the path where they say it's okay to fail because you can only get better because of that learning. So I, I had to see myself on the ground, shattered into a million pieces as someone that felt like a complete failure and not supported. And then the desperation kicked in. I was so unhappy that I made the decision at that point in my life that I was going to pick those pieces up and I was going to reinvent myself into the person I wanted to be and do things under my own terms. When I made that decision, I changed everything. I changed my entire mentality around how I go through things. And the fundamental rule that I had was that if it didn't make me happy or if I didn't want to do it, I would voice that. I don't care how shy or introverted I am. I would voice that something didn't make me unhappy and I would do things under my own terms. If I got into a relationship, it's because I did it for a relationship that I wanted, not because someone wanted that for me. If I went back to school, it was because of a course that I wanted to do, not because someone said I needed to do it. And if right. I got into a career, it's because I love the career and I want to do more of it, not because someone told me on paper that this is what pays money. When I made that decision, I felt like I instantly took control of my life. And I decided that at that moment that I was going to show that what I'm doing works. And that became my endless fuel to my fire, that fire that told me that I need to constantly prove that what I believe in does work. And that's what's been keeping me going for the last 12 years. So you went through these two hardships coming out of debt, coming out of a, a rocky relationship. So was it also the beginning of your corporate journey at the same time? Yeah, it, it was very close together. I mean, when I, when I was on academic probation, the girl that I was in a relationship with that I thought was going to be my future wife, uh, it didn't end up working out at the same time. So I was already down and then I felt like I was kicked when I was down. Like it was like a double negative at the same time. Um, and then like later in my life, I, I got engaged and I got engaged with another girl that I once again thought this might be it and it, the engagement didn't work out. So I've had two relationships that shattered me, which which is why that quote really resonated with me. And it made me almost hate being part of a relationship. Like I was actually okay with being by myself for a very long time. And, and to be honest, like when you get hurt that many times, you almost get numb to it. And I was so numb to it that I started feeling like I was broken inside because when I started meeting other girls and when I started getting into relationships, there was a part of me that just wasn't feeling them anymore. Like I wasn't emotionally attached to them that I used to be with the other relationships. So I was very hard on myself. And I said that I don't think that part of me works anymore. Like I think I'm just incapable of getting romantically involved with people. But somewhere along the way, I found the right person. And what's interesting is that I found her when I stopped looking. And I found her when I started working on myself rather than trying to go out there and find someone else, which was a re reassurance that if you work on yourself and only use that as your intention, everything starts falling in place when you're just focusing on working on yourself. And I truly believe that. And I've seen that play out over and over again over the last 10 years. Would it be right to say that uh, the right thing happened in your life and you stopped seeking someone else's approval and took control of your life and accepted the person who you were. Yeah, but you know, it's not even just accepting, it's it's loving that person. And when, when you love yourself, it's two-sided. Like I pull from both extremes here. I pull from the extreme where I love myself for who I am today. And I'm grateful for that because I have an opportunity where I could have been back in Saudi Arabia where there was a political war happening. So I'm grateful and I love myself for that. But then there's, a, there's that other side of me, which keeps me burning, which is the other side of me is knowing that I'm valuable enough to get more, right? Like I'm not, I'm not small enough to be okay with where I am. Because a lot of people that just say I'm happy with who I am, 
you you take your foot off the gas. You know, you're not as fired up to get better because you're comfortable where you are. I don't want to lose that drive. So I have that pull where I have gratitude, but I also have ambition. And as a result of that, I think that's what encompasses self-love, giving yourself both aspects so that you not only keep moving, but you also take time to stop and smell the roses and appreciate how you got there. Fantastic. I love the way you express that, Mephu, uh, straight from the heart. Uh, thank you for sharing not just the professional side, but also the personal side, because a lot of people don't try to exhibit that side in the public domain. There is that fear that it will make me feel weaker. I'll tell you this, man. I, I had that fear for a very long time. It wasn't until I wrote a book and I put it up on a shelf and got it pu published that I felt that feeling of freedom because my book was the first time that I publicly shared my broken relationship, my $30,000 in debt, my academic probation, my relationship with my parents falling apart. Like It was the first time. And now that it exists in a published book on a shelf where a stranger can pick it up, I feel so free. Like, what else do I have to lose? I've, I've, I've freed myself. And I got to tell you, when you take that leap of openness and transparency, your, your mind rests so easy. Like, I've slept better than I've ever had since the day I published that book because I felt like I loaded, unloaded everything that was in my mind and finally put it into a package. And it's kind of nice that you get paid when someone reads that story and picks up the book. That's a nice little bonus. But the feeling of freedom, man, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything. You not only unloaded your mind with that book, but you also showered the love around by expressing yourself openly and fully. Since you talked about that book, Mefus, let me ask you this. A lot of millennials go through such challenges in their lives, but not everyone ends up writing a book. Now, since you have written a book, let me ask you how this idea of the book, Project Reinvention, to, took shape and what is that one key message you want to share through this book sure so the the book is called project reinvention and before the book was called project reinvention i actually had my own initiative called project reinvention that involved me writing articles on a website as well as going from um, stage to stage and speaking about personal development and the entire concept of project reinvention was based on one thesis that if you're not happy with a single part of your life, be it physically, be it spiritually, be it financially, uh, be it emotionally, be it in your relationship. You don't have to stay where you are. You can on any given day get up, like physically get up or emotionally and spiritually get up and change and reinvent yourself to becoming something better. And this could be literally moving out of the place that you're in. Maybe you don't like the neighborhood or getting a new job or starting a new relationship or working on yourself you have the opportunity to reinvent yourself and start over so you don't have to stay at that unhappy place. And I've been speaking on stage about uh, Project Reinvention when I started that initiative. But one thing that I started thinking to myself is that I'm only impacting the people locally that are in my area that I'm willing to travel to get, to get on stage and speak to. And I, I found that to be very limiting, especially when the audience members would come up and say, wow, you changed my life or this is what I needed to hear. You know, Harmi, the first talk I've ever done in my life, I remember that as I was packing my laptop, I turned around and I was, I was blown away. Like there was a lineup of people that were waiting to talk to me. And I will wow. always remember the, the first girl in line, she came up and she had tears running down her face. And she was like, I wish I met you three years ago because this is something I needed to hear. And then I found out that she was in a very unhappy and abusive relationship and that she really needed to hear that conversation about reinvention to finally get out of it. 
And it made me think about how many people are in the world that don't have access to that, that conversation. And it made me think about how long it would take me in my life to speak on stage one stage at a time that may eventually result in me, you know, speaking to anywhere from 30 to 100 to 1000 or so people per time. I feel like it would take me a long time or my entire life to get to the size that I want to get to. What I thought of was what if I put a book out there into the world that will allow people to get access to the same type of information that I share on stage without needing to come to one of my events? Like what if they just went on Amazon and had it shipped to them? Or what if they had a digital e-reader and just got it on their digital platform and now they're reading it? I get excited about the fact that I can impact people that haven't ever heard me speak that maybe needed to find a resource and came across my book and now read it. And now I get letters and emails from people all across the world that reach out to me and tell me they, they thank me for my story and they thank me for impacting them. And it's incredible that I haven't even met them or they've never seen me in real life. So it was a realization that I just have better distribution and a better reach to the right audience in order to get my story out there. And I also shortly after, a year after the book, I also did the podcast show Ride With Me for exactly the same reason, which I said, maybe some people don't want to read. You know, maybe some people are not readers. Why don't I give them an audio format where they can listen to me on the road or while they're jogging or while they're cleaning the house? So everything that I do is all about how to extend my impact and extend my stories. Because at the end of the day, I may leave this planet, but I want to leave the materials behind so that other people can pick it up. And that's a big part of my mission today. So if someone picks up a book right now from that shelf, which which reads... Project Green mentioned, what would be one key message that will stay with him for a very long time? <clears throat> I think instead of a message, I think what's going to stay with them is the confidence that they could do something about it. The feeling of control, because what you're going to get out of that is the people that usually pick up my book are not necessarily in a great place. They're usually somewhere challenged and are thinking about how to get out of it. So when they pick up that book, it's that confidence and the realization that they could actually do something about it. And there's tons of stories that I share in that book of all my failures. And I talk about how I reinvented my way out of it. But because the conversation is reinvention, I also wanted to make the book unique. I didn't want it to make it look like every other book out there. I wanted to reinvent the way I wrote a book. So what I decided to do is I actually opened up my Facebook and I took screenshots of all my status updates that I've ever posted out there. And I put it right into the book. You can literally see the status update. Some of them have embarrassing grammar errors and spelling <laughs> errors. And I left it there anyway. But I put it there because, number one, I didn't want to Hollywood it. I wanted to really show that it's a true story. But number two, I want people, you know, being that it's a book for millennials by a millennial, I wanted it to feel like I was sitting beside you in a couch and I was scrolling through my phone and showing you one picture and one status update at a time. And I was explaining to you why I wrote that or the story behind that photo. So I wanted someone to get that feeling when I'm beside them, that I'm speaking to them about these stories. And what impressed me the most is the amount of people that messaged me and tell me to finish the book in like two or three days because they couldn't put it down. Because the, what's interesting about that story is that it just has a linear thread from beginning to end that you almost need to read it from beginning to end right away. So it's, uh, it's, it's a very interesting approach. I took it. And the best compliment I get is from people who read books all the time that tell me that they've never seen a book written like this. So it's a, it's truly a great compliment. And one of the hardest things I've ever had to work and put out there as someone that's never written a book before, but I'm extremely proud. And it made me realize that anyone with a great story can really put something out there. 
No, I, I totally agree with that one because I have myself gone through some of the pages and the illustrations are totally amazing in the book. Thank you, man. Uh, so taking this conversation ahead with you, Mefuz, most of your talks, blogs, and videos talk about a phrase, personal development. Like you have said, you have been into this journey of personal development for the last 10 years. So what personal development has meant for you and what's your take on as to how millennials look at personal development? So let me work backwards on this because what matters to me at the end of the day is first defining what success means. And I've been very loud about this because I think the definition of success is being influenced not by what we want, but what others are telling us success means. When you look at social media or you look at influencers out there, and a lot of them are about the lavish lifestyle that is very, very expensive. So people think the definition of success is getting a lot of money and buying expensive things. I actually work backwards from that. And I, I point out first and foremost that the realization is success means different things to different people. Everyone has their own definition of success. And the first thing to do is define what your success is. For a lot of people, they start realizing that success is more about what makes them happy. Success is happiness. And what I want to ask people to think about is what actually makes them happy because the average thing that makes me happy doesn't make other people happy. For example, some of my closest friends, they're not as ambitious and driven to build a career as I am. To them, what makes them happy is that after work, they like downtime. They like escapism. They like playing video games and watching movies. To them, that makes them happy. It's important to me for, number one, not judging them because we have different definitions. Like I shouldn't judge them on my ambition. They have their own ambition. So I have that level of empathy. But number two, when you realize that, you start focusing more on what you want and not trying to chase what other people want. So what personal development means to me is dissecting those pillars of what makes you happy and tending that garden, helping it grow. You know, I sat down one day and I said, okay, the things that matter to me is number one, I care about my health and fitness. Number two, I care about my relationship, not only with my family, but also my significant other. Uh, number three, I do care about my finances, but more about what I can do with the finances and the impact I make. And number four, the part that matters to me more than anything else, Harmeet, is the thing that I want to do more than anything else in this world is I want people to remember me as someone that lend them a helping hand. Why? Because as a shy introvert, I just never got it when I was younger. And as I, as I mentioned to you, I felt very lonely at my lowest point because I felt like no one was there for me. So what I'm trying to do is impact as many people even in a small, tiny way by giving them a helping hand. It could be as small as making an introduction or sending them a direct message and telling them some, giving them some advice. That's all that matters to me. Now that I know that, I spend all my time devoted in building those pillars out. And one thing that I do, I use an application called Toggle. Toggle is an application that you use as a timer. Now, businesses actually use Toggle to time their projects. What I decided to do is I use Toggle to to time my own day. So I, I time how many hours I sleep in a day. I time when I'm on the phone with my girlfriend. I time when I'm working on candy box marketing agency stuff. I time when I'm working on my own brand. I time when I'm podcasting and so forth. Like I have a big list. What's beautiful about an application like Toggle is at the end of the month, it gives you a chart and it shows you the percentage of how much of your time you're spending on your different priorities. And those priorities will reassure you that you're either on the right track or remind you that you're not on the right track. And now that you know, you can do something about it. A good example is sleep. You know, sleep is easy because people say the average time you should sleep is eight hours a day. So that's one third. That's 33% of your day. 
if, if at the end of the month, I'm seeing that I'm sleeping 25%, it's an indicator that I'm not sleeping enough. If I'm seeing I'm sleeping 40%, gosh, I'm sleeping in way too much. So I need that information to know because most people don't actually know if they're spending enough time. So they're guessing. You will never be able to figure out and work on yourself if you're just making guesses. You need to track your advancements and then try to get even 1% better each day. If you just focus on getting 1% better on your priorities that make you successful and make you happy, you're going to get there closer every single day. And the best part is you're going to feel happy every single day. And I think I, would, I wouldn't trade that for anything else. And this is sound really interesting because this is the first time I heard someone talking about auditing their time. So, yeah. so, so it definitely is something which is going to be on my to-do list now. But there are a couple of interesting aspects I picked up from this conversation so far with you. Uh, you also talked about defining success. You know, this this takes me back uh, to one of the quotes from my mentors, Jim Rohn. He says, success is nothing but uh, it's a worthy realization of a progressive goal. So a goal could be buying a watch. A goal doesn't necessarily mean landing a rocket on the Mars. It could be buying a watch. And there's another way, uh, one of my mentors, Amandeep, he, he talks about measuring success. He says, Harmeet, success doesn't mean you end up having a million dollars in your bank account. That's not how you measure your success. You're not going to measure your success from the car standing next door at your neighbor's house. Success is from where you start and from where you end in your life. Starting points could be different for different people. So there's no way I'm going to compare my success in life with my neighbor's cars. So it's, it's going to be defined. It's going to be measured from where I started in my life. What were the resources that were provided to me by my parents? Yes. What were the resources pro- which were given to me on the platter when I was born? Was it, was, was it like too many resources or was it just bare minimum? And what did I do with them? Did I multiply it? Did I compound it? And where I eventually ended up? So that's how I have looked at sec- measuring success so far in my life. That's right. Listen, everyone starts in different areas. And as quick as someone can gain things in their life, they can also lose it. And if they don't learn how to work with the tools that they have, they're going to find out very quickly that those tools are not serving them well, or it's taking them down a very, very dark path. So a lot of people do have advantages. And that's what we call it, right? We call it advantages. But it's not really an advantage if that's not what makes them happy at the end of the day. At the end of the day, what makes them happy is as I said at the very beginning, is doing it on your own terms. And what doing it on your own terms, which you alluded to, is the fact that you need to stop caring what other people think. Because when you stop caring about what other people think, you're doing things because you want to do it, not because other people are going to judge you or be impressed by what you're doing. So like, when I talk about the material things, like Harmeet, like I want a bigger house to move around in. I want a nicer car that drives faster than my car. But I want to do it because I like having more space to be creative. I like having a better car, not because I'm going to drive by some people and have it for status at the end of the day. So when you remove the idea of judgment and what other people think, you're now having a crystal clear opportunity of defining what you really want for the right reasons. You know, this is also the other side of things is a lot of people are going through uh, mental illness right now and they're having a lot of issues with social media and there's this huge conversation that's happening in that world but a lot of re- a lot of reasons that's happening is because of comparison right they care what the other people think so th- when they look out there into the world no matter how hard they're working they could be the hardest working person in the world but every human being has a bad day but very few human being takes a selfie in their bad day and post about it so all these people that are working their butt off and living a good life 
are seeing hundreds, if not millions of people talking about this amazing life that they're living on social media. And they're asking themselves, what's wrong with me? Like, what am I doing wrong? Why do I have bad days and they don't? And it's the same with relationships. You know, couples fight, couples have disagreements, but you will never see a couple taking a selfie in the middle of an argument. So all you're seeing is happy couples and it makes you ruin your relationship because you think there's something wrong with your relationship when it's not. All you're seeing is other people's highlight reel. All you're seeing is people's chapter 12 when you're still writing chapter three. You know, you're still working through your part of the journey. You don't, you're not even writing the same book as them. So it doesn't make sense that you should be comparing your life with someone else's timeline. When you eliminate the idea of what other people think in comparison, I, I'm telling you that the conversations around what you really want become really fun because that's when you truly think about what matters to you. Definitely. And trust me, I, I, I so really wish that you get that bigger house very soon. And, you know, one fine Sunday afternoon, there's that TikTok guy knocking on your door and asking, what do you do for a living, Mehfuz? Yes, yes, yes. When that guy comes up to me, I will let him in and I will tell him my whole story. It's uh, it's a it's a beautiful thing when you think about the fact that we can achieve that, that it's yeah. even possible, right? And right, and I, right. I think about the fact that people have done that. If there's even one person in our lifetime that has been able to go from nothing to something, it's possible. And the beautiful thing is once you do that, you can do it over and over and over again because you've now shattered your way of thinking from how you were raised. You know, we were raised and taught, you know, I don't know about you, but I was taught to play it very safe. I was taught to not take risks. I was taught to get a minimum wage job and be okay with it and not complain. I had to break out of that mindset and truly understand that I could get more. And when I understood that, I never went back. My mindset has changed. So it's amazing that it could get even bigger. So when I think about that and what personal development can do for that, it gets me very excited. And that's why I'm a huge student of personal development. Fantastic. You know, this is this is one thing. Uh, so I come from a background wherein I have worked in sales Mayfus, for the last seven years. I used to program and design iPhone apps and then somehow landed into sales for the last seven years. And one thing I realized being in sales was that this industry is so closely linked with personal development. If you do not work up on yourself, you, if you do not groom yourself, if you do not invest time in learning through books, audio seminars and podcasts, your professional life will suffer. This, this, this made me realize the importance of investing back in yourself. And that's why I also have a habit of investing at least 5 to 10% of whatever I earn in a year back into personal development. Because that's how it has kept that fire within me to go out and achieve something in my professional domain as well. So I, I owe a lot to this industry of personal development so and, and grateful to that Earn Nightingale for that vinyl recorder and that cassettes, which I believe ignited this industry of personal development. I, I think so too. And hey, I'm a huge fan of uh, Jim Rohn, myself, Zig Ziglar. Like I know them all. Like I used to read their books, listen to their audio tapes all the time when I was younger because I was just as hungry. But it's interesting because you, you think about what these industries teach you. You may leave the job. You know, when you leave the job, you have to what? Give back your uniform, your name tag, whatever else you were, you were bringing on with you. But you take the growth with you. You take the mindset with you. Like you take it to your next job and you take it into your life. So it just makes so much sense investing in personal development. Because when you're investing in personal development, even if you have a job and you're working for a boss, yes, your boss benefits. Yes, your company benefits, 
but you benefit the most. Like, why wouldn't you want to work on yourself to be the best you so that you can always jump to another opportunity and be okay with it? I have a huge fundamental also around the word failure and rejection, right? Which is something big on sales, right? And this is why personal development is a necessity in sales. You know, you go through rejection, you have to work on confidence, you have to work on communication, you have to work on nurturing relationships, like all those things matter in personal development, which is why it makes sense. But my, my philosophy around failure is that failure is not what it seems to be. Failure has a bad word, which it, it's, a, it's a negative connotation that you should feel bad about failing. But I don't ever see failure as a bad thing. I just think of it as a necessary step to get you to the better thing. Like you have to experience it. And a question I ask my audience in my podcast is I ask them to think about one thing in their life. And Harmeet, do this with me. Think of one thing in your life that you're extremely proud of. It could be anything. It could be the love of your life. It could be the dream job. It could be uh, the car that you bought, the house that you bought, the school that you graduated from, whatever makes you happy. One thing in your life that you're extremely happy about. Then my second question is what is something that had to go wrong for that achievement to be possible? And I asked that on stage and I love that I see almost every hand, if not every hand from every event I do that go up. Because it's that realization that they have at that moment that something needed to go wrong for them to have that. For example, I've worked with Candy Box Marketing for 10 years now. I wouldn't have had the job if I didn't get kicked out of university because when I, when, if I graduated from university, that agency wasn't around at that time. You know, right. I wouldn't be in the relationship that I am with, with the love of my life, the one that I'm more in love with than I've ever been in if my engagement in the past worked out. I wouldn't be this good with money and have more money in my life and better at managing it if I didn't go to $30,000 in debt. These were necessary steps. And I'm thankful for these lessons. I'm thankful that I had to go through this. As a matter of fact, my past relationships, I don't have any bitterness towards them. I thank them for the experience that allowed me to be ready for the right person in my life. And Harmi, let me ask you, did you, did you get an answer when you thought about something that had to go wrong to result in that great thing that you got? Definitely. And that led me... Uh... Uh, and that led me to your statement, which resonated with me that every person must in his life should go through a heartbreak to move on that journey off towards success or greatness. So yes, definitely uh, that has been, uh, that went through my mind also that the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it, absolutely, man. It's, it wouldn't be possible to, for me to be in my relationship today if I didn't go through the past ones, because I'm a lot different than I was. You know, that shy introverted from high school wouldn't stand a chance with that girl that I am with today. She's an incredible girl and has very, very great qualities and would not have been attracted in the young me. So I needed to work on myself to get to this level, which is why these things that people call bad things, they need to happen because it teaches you a lesson that you don't have to pay and go to school for. It teaches you things that you can't learn in school. It teaches you life lessons that arms you with the tools and the mindset to get you to that next step. So I know when I raise my kids in the future, I'm going to encourage them to be curious. I'm going to encourage them to ask questions and not just do things my way. And most importantly, I'm going to encourage them to try things. And even if it doesn't work out, it's going to be more about what they got out of it rather than the fact that they shouldn't have started it. And I, I, I imagine that they're going to be very happy with their life by being able to discover that all on their own. Absolutely. And talking about failures and, you know, in life, this reminds me of a saying of one of my mentors. His name is Delodoro McNeil. He talks about every setback in your life is basically a setup for the next big success in your life. Yes, sir. I love that.
So great, great to know about your story uh, and your journey so far, Mehfooz. You have been called a marketer and a content creator. I'm sure there must be thousands of ideas which cross your mind every single day. So how do you choose an idea? How do you pick an idea and or how do you identify an idea you feel has the potential to go viral and bring attention to a to your client's brand? The good news is that being in a marketing agency, I have the opportunity to work with many different clients in different industries. So the curious side of me that we've been talking about this entire interview is always on. I'm always watching and seeing what's working for our clients. And that makes me realize what trends are working today, right? Like it makes me see which ones are generating sales, which ones are running ads, which ones are winning on social media. And yeah. naturally, I start bringing them into my own personal brand. So as a result of that, I get to do it. But there's a second part of it, which a lot of people don't really realize in the world of social media, because a lot of people think that for you to take off on social media and see that growth, you need to have that viral piece of content. The truth is the way that you achieve growth is by a combination of community, collaboration, and consistency. The three C's I talk a lot about now, because if you have a community, you don't have to think of those ideas on your own. You have other people that will share ideas with you and you kind of pick and choose which one you want to do on any given day. If yeah. you have a problem, you don't need to solve it on your own. If you want to build something, you don't have to build it on your own. If you just have a strong community, you will have no problem building up whatever you want to do. And I have such an incredible community that I work with. And here's the incredible part for me. I don't know any of them in person aside from maybe one or two. I met them all on Instagram and social media. I've nurtured relationships with them over time. Um, and I would say about three or four years deep now with some of them. And just over the last few months, we started our own community club. And now we rad we regularly get together, exchange ideas and grow together. And at that moment, you know, I have to say in the last three years, I've experienced more growth in my career than I have in the last 10. And it made me realize that I was going at it all wrong, where a lot of people are going out and pouring out content. The real strategy should be about building a community and growing with the community. So I shifted that gear. and. As much as it seems like Mufuz is making all the right moves, there's a lot of people that are feeding me ideas and I'm doing it right back to them. So we're all winning as a community. Right. Uh, this takes me uh, to a last question, uh, Mufuz. Uh, in the world of social media, digital marketing, we have seen a lot of brands and companies which succeed because they have a very strong person behind that brand. Example, Cardone Capital is doing great. That's because of Grand Cardone at the back. If yeah. Vayner Media is doing great, that's because Vaynerchuk at the back of the affairs. So when you're building a brand and a company, how important it is for the owners, the directors, the brand managers to create an equally strong brand of their own? It's more important today than it's ever been. But here's the good news. You don't have to be loud like Gary Vaynerchuk or Grant Cardone to win. The reason a lot of people and CEOs right now, like Elon Musk, who's not very, very socially savvy, right? He's a little bit socially awkward and he's okay with that. But the reason they come out is because it's not as much about being a smooth talker. It's more about saying that I believe in my company so much that I'm not hiring actors to talk about my business. I'm willing to talk about it even though I'm not good on camera or on the mic or on stage. It's about being authentic, Harmeet. And what authentic means 
is that there's a lot of people that are watching these influencers and they think, for some reason, they think, I need to be like that person. This is why when Gary Vaynerchuk blew up, we saw the spawn of so many Gary Vaynerchuk wannabes, right? Yeah. A lot of high energy people. But the problem is no one's out there looking for another Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, no one's saying like, oh my God, you're the second Gary Vaynerchuk or you're the second Elon Musk. You're the second Steve Jobs. They're looking for the first you. You know, and this is why Elon Musk is as awkward as he is, but he's loved because people love him because he has owned the role of being that brilliant, introspective individual that's also introverted and socially awkward. But he owned that space to a point where people love him for that. And as a matter of fact, it actually spawned a lot of socially awkward people that are intentionally acting like him, which is very, very weird. But yeah. it's a beautiful thing when you realize that for you to win, you have to be louder about who you are, not who, who you want to be like. And the more you do that, the more people respect you for that. Like every single day that I've come out, I'm so thrilled to come out and say I get to show up as Mufu's Chowdhury. Like there's no one in the world I want to be like. And I, I love that when I get up on stage, I get to share my stories. And that's where it gets exciting is for people to go up on stage and share their own stories. Because at the end of the day, your competitors can change. They can, they can steal your style, right? They can steal your message. They can even steal your clothing and what you're wearing. But they can't steal your stories. It's your stories. It happened to you. So if you, if you lean on your own personal stories and you use that to lead in to whatever message you're trying to share, People are, at the end of the day, they think with stories, not with facts. So if you're sharing stories, you're going to be always remembered as the one person that shared that one story that they'll remember. I've been speaking for 12 years, and I still have people that I spoke to maybe 8 or 10 years ago that still see me and tell me that they remember that one story I shared on stage. I don't even remember sharing it. You know, Harmi, today you brought back a lot of things that I don't even remember saying. Like, you quoted that one line. I was like, oh, my God, I said that in, like, Six years ago, it's crazy, but it's it, it's also a realization that those things stick, and those things stay. And for you to build a personal brand, you wanna you wanna reveal those sticky stories that's going to make you remembered. And if you do that and worry about just how you execute the story, you're naturally going to separate yourself from the crowd and be remembered as the first you. I highly encourage people to invest in themselves and be better at telling their story rather than trying to replicate someone else's style. It's really the best strategy that went today. Fantastic, Mephus. The world definitely doesn't need another Gary Vaynerchuk or Grant Cardon, but they need the first you. That's very powerful. Uh, so that brings us uh, to the last segment of the show, which I call the one-minute round. Uh, you will have a minute each to answer a few things. So here's the first one. What's happiness for you? Happiness is being able to do things in your own terms without worrying about what other people think and about comparison with other people. What success means to you? Success to me means happiness. The last line of your autobiography would read? Reinvent yourself, which ironically is how my book started and ended with the words reinvent yourself. Smefus. Consider yourself to be standing in a room. You're the only person in that room. The lights are dim and it's a bit dark. Someone walks into that room. The person comes and stands in front of you. This is a very young person and this is the younger version of Mehfuz. A 15-20 year old Mehfuz. He looks into your eyes 
and very innocently asks you what's the best way to live life what would be your answer to this young aversion of mehfuz be i would tell that young mehfuz to live life on his own terms and be selfish with your happiness people say selfish is a bad word because it means you're doing it for you and not for others but i think when you realize that you are the priority in this world you can be very selfish for your happiness and you can say no to the things that make you unhappy so i would say be selfish for your happiness mehfuz it's been such an honor a privilege listening to you learning about your journey and all the incredible things you're doing in the world of marketing and personal development loved the conversation with you today Harmeet you're incredible it's been a lot of fun and i just want to give you kudos for the incredible amount of research you've done on me i'm i'm actually amazed by some of the things you pulled up i i didn't know those were coming and i'm beyond impressed thank you so much for being a great interviewer and for the fantastic conversation thank you mesu but before you say bye to us today what's the best way for people to reach out to you so i just launched a brand new website called engagethroughstories.com If you taken anything out of my conversation today you know how big I am on stories so engage through stories.com I launched uh which is a website on myself you'll also see my Instagram account there uh Instagram is the platform that I'm the most active on please do reach out to me and just say hi I'm very active on the direct messages I really love building relationships and if you even got one thing out of this conversation I'd love to hear your story as well and just to add if there's anyone out there doing podcasts you got a friend in Mafus Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, podcasts are fun, man. Podcasts are fun. And we could do a whole podcast episode about podcasting. It is the best thing to add to your arsenal. But again, thank you so much, man. This is a fantastic show and I'm really excited to see what your audience gets out of it. Thank you. Thank you, Mefus. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hustle with Harmeet. If you're listening to us on iTunes, Please don't forget to leave a five star review on the Apple podcast. If you're listening to us on Spotify, do click on the follow button. If there's any feedback from this episode, you may write to us on harmeetspeaks@gmail.com. Also, do check out our Instagram handle at the rate hustle with harmeet for all the latest updates. I'll catch up with you all next week and yes, remember, don't give up on your life and dreams. keep working hard keep moving ahead and keep hustling because one day your success will make all the noise this is your host harmeet singh signing off goodbye